Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. I will now be reading the Bible, 1 Corinthians, verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 31, page 797 on the Bibles at the back. I'll give you a couple moments to, to catch that up. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And to another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in the, in the fact, fact God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, given great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and the different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Thanks very much for reading. Nick, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you this morning. Hey, I got a wave. It's really nice. Hey, beautiful. Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm Simon, uh, lead pastor here. Um, if you're from a different context, what that means, I'm like the minister or the vicar, that sort of stuff. But uh, there you go, a bit old school. But uh, that's who I am, Simon, lead pastor here, um, one of the elders as well. Um, before we get into the word this morning, I just want to bring you a couple of announcements. Um, one is this, um, our dear sister in Christ, Eloise Chuddy, or Churdy, she's not here to tell me like how that it goes. Um, Eloise has decided after quite a while of wrestling with things, she wants to get baptized. Um, so um, met with her during the week, um, after hope, like quite a number of meetings with Eloise actually, um, she is keen to get baptized. And so on the 20th of June, um, right here in the Esto, um, during the gathering, we're going to get a spa bath and some, you know, shampoo and bubble bath and stuff like that. No, we're going to baptise her um, in this place during our gathering. So that's really exciting. Um, I guess that's a shout out as well. If you're here today and, you know, you've come to know Jesus and you, you want to make that public declaration, baptism doesn't save us. Baptism, the act of it doesn't make us right with God, but it's a, a public act of I stand for Jesus. I'm aligning my life with him. He's forgiven me. 
Um, if that's you and you'd like to get baptised as well, or at least like to think about it, um, please let me know. We could baptise you on that day as well. I'm sure Eloise would make room for you um, on that day, um, but uh, it's up to you. So um, let me know. But yeah, 20th of June, Eloise is to be baptised, which is really exciting um, right here in the building. Um, one other thing is today, we haven't done this. I don't think we've ever done this really in the time that I've been around here. We're going to have a little question time after the message today. Um, so if you've got questions that come out of, like not any question, by the way, um, but if you've got questions that arise from what I say today, I'd love for you to feel free to ask me. Um, question time's also like watch the pastor squirm moment as well. Um, so, you know, there you go. Um, but uh, so if you have questions, feel free to yell them out at the end. We'll have some time. Before I get into it, I want you to turn to the person next to you. This is possibly a little bit of an intimate question that I'm going to ask you to say today. What is the favourite part of your body? What is your favourite part of your body? Um, turn to the person next to you, maybe get in first, then you don't have to share what yours is. Um, but what's, the fa- what's your favourite part of your body? Um, go, I'll give you like a minute to do it. Go for it, have a go. What's your favourite? All right. I, uh, I won't necessarily ask for feedback on that one up the front, but uh, there you go. Um, keep thinking about that. Um, I should add, if it's your first time with us this morning, I'm really delighted that you've been brought here with us this morning um, so that we can hear God's word and, and reflect together on just the goodness of the gospel, what Jesus has done for us. Um, with that in mind, how about we pray as we come into to God's word this morning? Our great God and Father, we thank you for how you've established your world and Father, for how you've established your church and this picture in the passage we've just had read and that we're going to look at today of your people, uh, this church and your church universally as a, as a body and how we need each other. Father, help us to understand your word this morning, not that it's too difficult today, Father, but help us therefore to apply it so that we will be a church body that builds one another up and brings great delight to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in his name. Amen. I think we all recognise this, right? But, but your body and my body is a living miracle, right? Our bodies, your body, my body is a living miracle. Um, about 200 bones, apparently, 650 skeletal muscles, 210 cell types, apparently, medicos or health professionals in the room, perhaps you can clarify that with me after. But your body is a living miracle, I don't know, how many muscles, bones and cells have you used just to arrive at church this morning? Um, Heaps, I dare say, right? Heaps. It's quite easy, isn't it, to take parts of our body for granted when they work. Um, It seems to me that the older you get, the less you take your body for granted because parts start to kind of malfunction and some parts seem to kind of displace a little bit, right? Um, So all of a sudden, right, a tendon that you never knew existed, you'd never heard of before goes ping and you care about it deeply all of a sudden. Or or a nerve that you can't pronounce kind of gets inflamed in your back and it lays you in bed for the rest of the week, all of, a bits, all of a sudden, bits of our bodies that we didn't even know existed, never even appreciated, become the centre of our attention. We realise all of a sudden that every part of our body really matters, all of the bits. And that should be the same at church. The more you grow as a Christian, the more we kind of mature as followers of Jesus. I think the more we look around and look at one another and kind of see that everything, everyone matters. You know, how you look around and you go, wow, I'd be be less without him around. I'd be less of a person if she wasn't around the place. I see it, it's obvious. Every bit matters, every person matters. Well, Paul, right, we're in this letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to this church into a situation in Corinth, right? There's a group of Jesus followers, first century Corinth, where some in the church are thinking to themselves, you know what, I don't fit in around here. We don't fit in. Oh, perhaps this isn't the place for me. There are, on the other hand, there are some at that same church who are saying, actually, yeah, you don't. You don't really belong around here. In fact, honestly, I don't know why you're here. What do you do around here? 
We're the important ones. That's the situation to what Paul is writing. Paul's writing into a situation where how the church, Christians in Corinth, are relating to one another is clearly malfunctioning. Now, if you're just joining us, um, we picked up the letter of 1 Corinthians from chapter 11 a few weeks ago. We, we pressed pause on 1 Corinthians sort of 1 to 10 last year. We've picked it up again, right? And, and chapters 11 through 14 are all about how Christians are relating to each other in the gathering. Last time, uh, if you were here last week, the issue was mainly social divisions. There are elites in the church kind of shaming the poor or the less elite in the church. We looked at that. Chapters 12 to 14, I hope you've got chapter 12 open in front of you, is really one block, chapters 12, 13, 14, indicated by the words in chapter 12, verse 1, now about. That's how Paul introduces his response to a whole lot of questions in this letter, right? So this letter basically is Paul responding to issues, questions that have kind of made their way to him and he's been dealing with them through this letter. And so where we see now about chapter 12 verse 1, it's like now about this next issue. The reality for the church at Corinth, this group of people in first century Corinth, was that they were being molded by, shaped by the world around them more than they were being shaped by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is just another presenting issue, right? As we've worked our way through this letter, one of the issues they have is you know, they're being shaped by the world in how they treat one another. They're being shaped by the world in their sexual ethic, how they use their bodies. They've been shaped by the world in how they're competing with each other and seemingly having heroes that they're clinging to. It's all very worldly. And here, so as they gather, they're being shaped by the world, how they use their gifts, their talents and passions that have been given to them by God. Now we can get a little distracted, right, at this point, um, but the presenting, issue at the, heart, at the presenting issue at the heart of the problem for the church in Corinth, for them back then, AD 55, was that some of the people in the church were particularly proud and really excited about these gifts of tongues that they had. Right, so um, more details on tongues in a couple of weeks' time. But tongues is essentially speaking in another language that no one else can understand, right? It seems kind of supernatural and a little bit kind of exotic and a bit sort of fancy and, you know, and, and a bit spiritual, right? And there seemed to be competition in the church at Corinth, right? Who could do speaking in tongues the most? Who could speak in tongues the loudest? Who could speak in tongues in a particularly kind of supernatural kind of way? And of course, it's somewhat self-promotional, isn't it? People standing up in front of others, shouting in a language as loudly as they possibly be so no one else can understand. It's, it would seem kind of impressive, right? But it doesn't really do much for the church. Now, we don't want to get too distracted by this, right? Speaking in tongues, speaking in another language, that was their issue back then. Paul says to them, guys, just get over it. It's actually not that important. You don't want to get too hung up on that as an issue, guys, because it could be any gift that we as a group of Christians could get obsessed by. In AD 55, among the Corinthians, they were obsessed with tongues. I wonder what we're obsessed with AD 2021 in Adelaide. But imagine this, right? Imagine all of a sudden we become, as a church, City Light Church North Adelaide, obsessed with the gift of barista. The barista. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden that's really the thing that matters. That's the gift that gets your status in the church. All of a sudden, right, our church is filled with like a dozen gleaming espresso machines, you know, la mazzoccos all over the place, right? And, and everyone in the church is just going, <laughs> frothing away the milk all over the place. And, and each barista in the church is insisting that the way they grind, the way they tamp, the way they extract the fruity tropical flavors from the bean is like the best and you know the way that you know I do the latte art is amazing you know like Michael Lindsay says I'll have a latte and all of a sudden it's his face on the top of the coffee you know like it's incredible you know like it's amazing and in the end really it's just the Australians and the Italians kind of fighting it out you know who's the best race who making you know espresso 
And imagine like in 200 years' time, right, um, some Christians end up reading a little, you know, the history of City Light Church North Adelaide, right, this little church in North Adelaide, and they said, baristas, they had so many baristas in 2021. We don't have any in 2221. We don't even drink coffee now. Obviously, to be really spiritual and have a really spiritual church, you need to have lots of coffee and really great baristas. No, no, no. It was just a weirdness of the year 2021 when they got obsessed with making coffee. The principle, brothers and sisters, the presenting issue is not the gift, it's how you treat one another and how you use the gifts that God has given you. Don't obsess about the thing they got wrong. It's the same here. Paul says, don't obsess about the thing they got wrong. I'm gonna spend three chapters, basically, Paul says, chapters 12, 13, 14, saying you don't value that gift so highly. It's just causing your division. Value one another highly and all the gifts. So there's the, here's the principle, right, on the screen, the big idea. The one spirit has given a variety of gifts to build the one church, so use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. That's the point. Use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. And the greatest gifts of all are the gifts that build up the church. Use what you've got and cherish what other people have. Amen? Should we pray and call it a day? No, let's carry on. Um, there's a slight irony here in this particular chapter. Um, some of you will know this. These chapters, 12 to 14, are Paul's plea for Christians to stop dividing over the gifts they have. Ironically, these chapters have caused huge amounts of division in church history and churches in the past. You know, what, you know, what precisely are these spiritual gifts? People get really animated and excited about that. Um, when I first became a Christian, I was part of a church where um, it was taught that every single Christian should be able to speak in tongues. Um, and if you didn't, you were, it was kind of like an indication you weren't saved or part of the family of God. I didn't know much back then, but what I observed was a lot of confusion and some sadness among people. You know, of course, you get to the end of this chapter, chapter 12, verse 30, and Paul would say, actually, that's just not the case, not there's not one gift that is ubiquitous amongst all Christians. Here are chapters that call all believers, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, to use your gifts to build up the church. The one spirit gives a variety of gifts to build the one church, so use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. Here's how we're going to work through the passage. Um, next slide, I think. Here it comes, working through the text. This is what we're gonna do. This is really, I'm just gonna work through the passage like this. Um, with the, body, uh, the, the church is pictured as a body in, these, in this particular chapter. So here it is, in the body of Christ, there is diversity and unity. That's Paul's main point. And then there are kind of two applications that kind of flow out of that. Um, in the body of Christ, there is diversity and unity. So don't say, I'm not needed, and don't say, they're not needed, okay? So if you're a note taker, that's kind of how we're gonna roll. Main point and then two applications. So firstly, the body of Christ, uh, in the body of Christ there is diversity and unity. This is verses one through 14. Have a look, chapter 12, verse one. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Paul says, look, you guys, you have no background, really, in supernatural gifts. I know that. So look, verse three, here's the most basic truth you need to know about sort of spiritual discernment. Verse three, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing magic about saying the words, Jesus is Lord, right? Anyone can mouth those words. You can write them in a poem. You can put them in a pop song. I don't know. You can put them anywhere. But in the first century, to say, to declare that Jesus is Lord was to say that Caesar is not. It's quite a strong statement in the day. So you, just, you wouldn't say publicly, Jesus is Lord, unless God had done a work in you by his spirit that you'd be willing to put Jesus first ahead of all other comers and all other allegiances. 
And in verse four to six, we, we learn that variety is given by the one God. Do you see that? We get essentially the same sentence three times in verses four, five, and six. Listen to this. There are different kinds of gifts, Paul says, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work, right? So you've got three parallels. You've got um, spirit, Lord, God. That's Paul saying the Trinity, God the Trinity, the Trinity, the, the three persons, the three different persons of the Trinity, all united. So the Spirit, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father. Unity, but a variety of persons. And so it is in the church. There is a variety of gifts for the unity of the church. There's another parallel though, do you see that? Gifts, service, and working in the text, because gifts are given for the purpose of serving others, and gifts are at work, they are to be put to work in building up the church. Why, for what purpose? Verse seven, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. Every gift that you have is for others. Every gift you have is for others. So let's say, right, today after our main gathering, our ministry leaders here at City Light Church North Adelaide are gonna to get together, we're gonna to have a meeting, and at that meeting we're gonna have lunch together as well. Lunch is gonna be supplied. So at about 12 p.m. today, I'm gonna to take delivery of about, I think it's about 15 bagels from the, the flying fig down here of a various varieties, and Ruth just goes, yes, yeah, anyway. Now let's, let's say, right, um, I take delivery of those bagels and at about 12.05 today at the leaders meeting in the social club next door, um, Ruth Jusada says, hey, where's the food today? Anyone got that lunch? And Carl says, no. And you're like, oh, why not? Well, Jacko's kept it all for himself. Jacko, what are you doing? I, I like bagels. I want 15 bagels. I can eat bagels. You can't eat 15 bagels, Jacko. They're mine. No, no, Jacko, you've taken delivery of the bagels and these are for everyone else. I mean, how many bagels can one person eat? You've been given them for others. Brothers and sisters, every one of us here who is a Christian has been given gifts for the good of others. Or you might think of it a bit like an escape room. Who's been to an escape room before? Anyone been to an escape room? I've not done it. I think it would be terrifying, actually, being locked in. But basically, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong later, um, you know, I imagine like about six people go into this room and you're locked in the room for about an hour. There are all kinds of clues on the floor and on the wall and bits and, you know, and you find bits of wood on the floor and you've got to put the bits of wood together to find a code, which that code opens a cupboard, which then gives you the next clue, you know, you get the point, right? And then after an hour or so, you hopefully have broken out. Um, I was reading an article by a journalist, right, who'd just been to an escape room with her family and another family during the school holidays. And her eight-year-old found a piece of wood on the floor and stuffed it in his pocket. You know, so for the next 50 minutes, they're all banging their heads around going like, how are we going to get out of here? Like, I can't find the clues. What's the deal? And, and eventually I had to ask like, the staff member, can we, like, can we have a clue? Like, we're not getting anywhere. And the staff member gestured to the boy and said, you, you might want to ask your son. Nothing, nothing. I found nothing. I know nothing. You know, the son sort of said. So they had a really boring hour and then you failed. Well, I did have this bit of timber with the numbers on it. Why did you keep it to yourself? I liked it. Did you understand the principle of the game? Everything is needed. We all use what we've got and then we win. You keep what you've got just to yourself. It's boring and we all lose out. That wasn't a fun hour, was it? You know, you can imagine her saying, no, but I've got my piece of wood and I quite like it. I mean, kids, right? Who would have kids? That's what Paul is saying, right, Corinthians. That is what some of you are doing. You're saying, yeah, I've got my gift and I quite like my gift and I don't want to use it for the common good. But you lose and everyone loses. Gifts are given so that 
Everyone can use them together for the common good. I mean, how silly to come to church and to think, I've got all these gifts and talents, but they're mine. No, you've misunderstood. Whether we gather, when we gather at church, it's not simply a group of human beings who share a similar hobby or like Colombian coffee beans or even that we have the same God in common. God himself is present among us when we gather and he works with us and through us to build his people up when we play our part. This is crucial to understand. It means that serving others with your gifts, serving others in community, is crucial to being a Christian. If you don't serve, I think you'll sink as a Christian because you'll be working against God's working in you. And guess what? I'm not laying any bets in your favour on that one. You'll be working against God's working in your life to wash one another's feet, to share the gospel, to play your part, take your responsibility seriously in finding your place in building up the body. That's the Christian life. If you don't want a life shaped by service, that's okay, there are other religions out there. But Christianity is grounded in the Trinity and therefore it is about serving. Uh, Verses eight to 11, we move on. Paul gives us a sample of the gifts that might exist in the church. I don't think this is an exhaustive list. Uh, There are some here. um, There's a slightly different list um, at the end of chapter 12. Um, 16 gifts, I think, in total in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. There are other lists in the New Testament. uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, I think that's about like another six. But I don't think the point is in the New Testament that there are like 22 spiritual gifts and you must have one of those 22. These are typical sorts of gifts that the Spirit gives, uh, that God gives. They're illustrative. But Paul's main point, right? All these gifts come through the one Spirit. Have a look at verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another the interpretation of tongues. Now if you want to chat about what each of those particular gifts might be, then we can catch up afterwards. I'm not going to do that in an exhaustive sense today. I've spent heaps of time reading about them over the last two weeks. If you want some info on those, go to Anthony Thistleton's, if you can pronounce Thistleton, um, his commentary, um, where he devotes like 50 pages to what these might be. And here's his conclusion. No one really knows what they are. So you can spend 50 pages, go for it. But he'll say no one really knows what they are. I mean, what's the difference between a message of knowledge and a message of wisdom? No one really knows. What's the difference between gifts of healing and gifts of miraculous powers? We're just not really sure. The New Testament doesn't really give us all the information that we need. But it's... There is one thing, though, I think that is relevant about this list in line with Paul's argument and his comments that he's making about the church at Corinth, right? Verse 10, he says, where does he, he places the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues last. The gift that Corinthians were getting obsessed over and dividing over, he puts last. I think there's something in that. Again, if, if we were writing the history of City Light Church North Adelaide in 2021, that the gift of barista comes last. And in a hundred years' time, right, the gift of barista gets mentioned and there was this sermon that was preached and the, the pastor just kept saying barista, 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 barista. It must have been so important to them back then. No, it's not that important. That's why it comes last in the list. The point is that the one spirit has given a variety of gifts to build the unity of the church. So use your gifts. One other comment here really quickly is that not all the gifts listed here are supernatural gifts. Um, some of them are, but by the time you get to the second list in chapter 12, uh, verse 28, there's, this, there's the gifts of helping, gifts of, of guidance or leadership or administration. I mean, again, what is, what is the gift of helping? Well, it's helping, Simon. Well, sure, but in what way? Like, is it like, you know, you just regularly find yourself 
Packing up the chairs after church on a Sunday, is that helping? Probably. We, we can't actually pin it down. But the important principle for this section is in verse 11. Have a look. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Every gift. With every gift in the church, like God has said, I think you need this. You need that. I'm going to give you that. You need this. Like that's how God has worked. There is, God has given the church what he believes the church needs. He's gifted us with those things that are required. And so therefore in a church, right, there is no need then for gift envy. Oh, I really would like what they've got. And there's also no space for like gift projection. Everyone should have the gift that I have. You know, there's no room for that. Because God in his sovereignty is allocated to each person in his church the gift that he believes is most important to help the church grow and build and be unified. And Paul brings this home in verses 12 to 14. See again, language of one and many, five ones, three manys. Here we go, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many, one and many. Every church, one and many. In the body of Christ, there is diversity and there is unity, many gifts to build up the one church. That's the big point of Paul in this chapter. And then he applies it in two different ways, right? So one body, diversity and unity. And then verses 15 to 20, in the body of Christ, therefore, don't say I'm not needed. Here's a word for those in AD 55 and AD 2021 today who feel like you're on the margins of the church. You know, who you go, "I, I don't really have anything to offer around here. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Paul says, we don't want everyone to be the same. We don't want everyone to be the same. He then goes on like with this kind of grotesque comic image, verse 17. I think we have this thing in church, right? Whenever the Bible's read, we're meant to be really serious and somber. We should be really serious and somber because it's the word of the living God. But there are times when we also should have a little chuckle, right? So when, you, when we're reading chapter 12 and we read this, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? We're meant to go, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, just imagine a monster eyeball, six foot high, just floating around the Esto, right? You know, imagine that. You walk up to it. Oh, hello, Mr. Eyeball. You know, how's your week been? And this eyeball just kind of stares at you and then blinks. You know, you're freaking out, I reckon, you know. Fortunately, there's someone in the church who can interpret eye blinking, you know, and they sort of say, oh, what he's trying to say is he doesn't know what you're talking about. Can you communicate just by winking? I mean, you think it'd be great. I'd be sitting there going, it'd be great if you had a mouth. It'd be great if you had some ears. Then we could maybe make some progress. And then the freaky eyeball just kind of floats on out of church. That's the picture. It's absurd. It's useless. Otherwise, hopeless, right? What Paul is saying is, you know, I don't know, you've got the gift of administration, guidance or strategy. That's wonderful. But if all of us just had that gift, like it'd be pretty pointless, wouldn't it? It'd be a bit about as pointless if all of us had the gift of teaching. We'd get probably nothing done. I'm a woeful administrator. I mean, you know, like I'm doing the job that Lauren used to do and it's any wonder that things have gone pear-shaped around here, right? Like I'm not gifted in that way. The church would be hopeless if all we had were administrators and if all we had were teachers. Verse 18, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. It's the same point as verse 11. God has distributed the gifts into his church just as he determines 
And brothers and sisters, God does not make mistakes. You have a crucial role to play as the person you are and with the gifts that God has given you. You know, you might sit here and think, you know, I haven't, I haven't got a lot to offer here really. But if you're part of the church family here at North Adelaide, I need you. We need you. You need me. You need us. Perhaps I can broaden this out a little bit to you know, move beyond just those people who feel like they have nothing to offer because I'm pretty sure around here most people think they have quite a lot to offer. You know. But some of you might be here and you've come into this church and you've gone, look, look, I've got gifts, but I don't think they're really required here. I look around the church and it seems to function really fine. Or worse, you know, you just go, I can't be bothered using my gifts around here. I don't think that's many of us like that. But most people think, you know, they come in, I'm not needed. It all seems really fine. I don't need to do too much. No, look, God has given you gifts. And this church family needs those gifts. God has brought you here to this church to contribute to the body. You, know, you might look here and you go, you know, imagine this is a human body and you go, look, this human body seems okay. It's, it looks like it's running all right. I'm just a toe. I'm just a toe. The church is running okay. I don't really need to be around here. Yeah, but a foot, right? If a foot doesn't have a toe, you can run, right? But you might be like a little bit wonky, a little bit off balance, and you might not function very well. So Paul is saying it might function okay, this body, but it will function heaps better if you get involved if you use your gifts, so every part is needed. Verse 18, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Let me get a little bit practical. I'll just sort of drill into a few groups around here. If you're here and you're a student, please don't just turn up. Where are you serving? Like many students, past and present, have been magnificent in the way they serve our church here. Plenty of our ministry teams would kind of go, like collapse. Sound and music and coffee would, you know, fantastic. But everyone should be contributing something. Families. Families, please don't just turn up. Like, where are you serving? I mean, the first caveat there is I just think it's remarkable that any family arrives at church on a Sunday morning awake and looking like they're somewhat breathing. I don't know, like it's amazing. Um, I said to my wife today, she goes, oh, we tried to get here for um, pre-service prayer at 9.30. I said, just, you got here early. That was amazing. But where are you involved if you're a family? And perhaps you're only here for a short period of time. Maybe, you know, for whatever reason, you've landed in Adelaide, you've landed here at City Light Church, North Adelaide, and you're just here for one or two years. You know, please don't just turn up. I'm so encouraged, actually, by some people among us who are here just for a short period of time, and they've just thrown themselves in serving, discipling, leading, all that sort of stuff. I chatted with someone the other day in that sort of category, you know, I said, it's, I just think it's great that you're here and you're serving. And that person said, I just don't want to waste my time. It's stuff to do. And in my mind, I've got, yeah, you've understood to get involved with the body. It's really good. Look, in the body of Christ, don't say, I'm not needed. Verses 15 to 20. But then those of us who are kind of confident, verses 21 through 26, don't say, well, they're not needed. We don't need them. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Now, it seems in the church at Corinth, there was a group of people in this church, probably the same group that we met last week, the sort of people who thought they were pretty elite, uh, the wealthy, the cultural leaders of the day. They probably thought, look, we run this church here in Corinth. We're the core of the church. Well, you others, you can just kind of just, just stay over there. Maybe just move out of the way. We don't really need you. That's, I think, what's going on in Corinth. Lots of different language in these verses, but I think it's best just to allow the words to interpret one another. 
So the weak are the less honourable and are the unpresentable, I think. There are some parts of the body that are weak. I mean, an eyelash is quite weak, isn't it? You don't use your eyelashes to kind of do the heavy lifting around the place, but they're useful, aren't they? To protect the eyes. But Paul is saying, look, don't be childish. Don't just prize and esteem the things that are really obvious and say we don't really need the others. Because God honours those who lack it. Don't ignore the less impressive or the weaker parts of the body. In practical terms, don't just get excited about the people who are like really loud in church um, or have the kind of the demonstrable gifts, you know, they're often the people sort of up the front. Be impressed like God is with those people who kind of serve behind the scenes, who pray, who give, who visit the sick, who make meals for new parents, who help people move house, who meet up with and comfort those who are struggling. Be impressed with them. You may not see it all, but don't just be impressed with the sort of the upfront demonstrable things. Value the bits you don't see because they all contribute. I think without all those behind the scenes thing as a church, we would sink. God has arranged them this way. Why, verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. I want to encourage you guys, like after the formal part of our gathering is finished today, maybe not right now, right, but just a bit later, when the sort of formal part, I want you just to look around and go like, this is my body. You're my body. If you hurt, I hurt. If you flourish, I flourish. If you suffer, I'll suffer. When you rejoice, I'll rejoice. Look around at your body. You know, a church with only a few gifts will shrivel up and die. We need them all. What are we to do then? Verse 27, value every part because every part is needed. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And each one of you is valued, is necessary, and is important for the church to grow. Of course, there are a variety of gifts. Verse 28, there's all these rhetorical questions. Do you see them? Verse uh, verse 29, uh, all these rhetorical questions. Um, I was thinking, I often think how it'd be really cool if our church was a little bit more African-American in style. Like, you know, so as I'm preaching, I'm hearing a few more, amen, brothers. Or a few like, preach it, 100%. Like, I would love that. Even just a couple of amens. You know, I don't, but I think us Adelaide evangelicals, we'd rather gut ourselves with a fish knife than kind of do something like that. Um, but let me, let, me, let me just try this quick experiment, right? Each of these questions that Paul says, right? End with the word, like the answer, no. You got it? So let's get a little bit, I mean, just try hard, right? Just to kind of get out of that Adelaide nobility thing and just pretend like you're excited, okay? Like, um, I'm going to ask each question, and each one I want to hear a a no, all right? Um, Let me just find the verse. Um, I'll find the verse before the end of today. There we go. Um, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? That wasn't too hard, was it? No, there you go. Paul's point, right, is, I mean, you did well. You waned, though. Like, you know, anyway. um, Paul's point is there's no one gift that is common to everyone. There's a variety of gifts that God has given the church for the common good, for the building up of the church. Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, verse 30. Paul will go on to explain that in the next couple of chapters. The greater gifts are the gifts that build up the church. Or as Paul finishes, verse 31, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. 
Next week, we come to what is perhaps the heart of the letter to the first Corinthians. Because really, we could just push aside all of this talk about spiritual gifts. What are they? Who's got what? And things like that. If the main thing Paul wants to say is just focus on loving one another. For if your concern is to love one another the way that Paul describes love in verse thir- chapter 13, then you'll just find yourself using your gifts and passions and talents that God has given you to serve others, to bless others, to build up the church. Because you'll be less concerned about you and more concerned about using what God has given you for the good of others. In the end, Paul will say in chapter 13, that love really just looks like Jesus. And isn't it a relief that Jesus didn't say, yeah, I'm, I'm quite gifted, you know. I've got quite a lot of gifts and I'm just gonna keep them for me. Isn't it wonderful how Jesus with all the gifts, who is the source of all gifts and the source of all that is good, he used his gifts for you and for me. The one spirit gives a variety of gifts to build the one church. So use your gifts and cherish the gifts of others. Two questions for you before I let you ask questions of me. Question one, how are you using your gifts to serve this body today? How are you using the gifts God has given you to serve this body, your body, today? And secondly, when, when did you last express your, your thanks and your gratitude to those around here who use their gifts to build up the church? When was the last time you expressed your thanks and gratitude to those who use their gifts to build up the church? Because I need you and you need me. Shall I pray? And then we'll have some questions. Heavenly Father, we recognise, um, yeah, this is how you have established your church, a group of people, a body, who need one another. We thank you for the reminder uh, this morning of our need for others. Uh, help us not to seek to function on our own or ignore the other contributions that people around us make. Help us to identify and use the gifts you've given us and to cherish the gifts of others so that together we'd build up your church. And we ask this, Father, for the honour of your name and the delight of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got a few moments for questions. My knees are knocking, um, but don't hold back. Anyone got any questions about spiritual gifts. There you go. I think there's a slide that says what we're doing now. Is there one? Hey, question time, also known as watch the preacher struggle. There you go. Um, anyone, got any, anyone got any questions? I've been, I've been that clear today. Remarkable. Oh, yep. Yeah, I think, well, I think he says, earnestly seek the greater gifts. I think he's therefore saying, um, like, God gives the body of Christ the gifts that the church. Oh, do you want to repeat? Yeah, good. Um, let me see if I remember the question. Um, Jesse asked, um, I mentioned how God sovereignly distributes the gifts that the church or the body needs. And yet at the end of the passage, Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Um, why, if God is given what we need, why do we desire the greater gifts? I think, well, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and I'll just say that it's a really good question until I think of something to say. Um, I, think, I think what Paul is saying is like God gives the church what it needs to function. It gives, you know, the gifts of administration and helping and things like that. But I think ultimately the gifts that we are to desire most are those gifts that really build up the church, the gift of love, um, but also like the gifts that 
probably things like, you know, not to put a huge thing on, but like teaching, like those sort of gifts that really ballast the church, build a foundation of the church. Um, not to downplay the other gifts though, but I think to desire those gifts that obviously build up the body of Christ in a more obvious way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ultimately, he'll say, like, desire love. You know, but yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so is it sort of a case of you get, you get, you don't get upset, like you are just supposed to be content with that and use that to the best of your ability, or is it right that you want to have others and to ask them? Yeah, I think so. Um, the question is for everyone. Um, I mentioned again that, um, what did I say again? Gift envy. Gift envy, yeah, sorry, sorry. That, um, because God gives the gifts that a church needs, he allocates them as he sees fit, we ought not to be too preoccupied with desiring other people's gifts. We should be satisfied with the gifts that he's given us. Um, and your point was, which we say to our kids all the time, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Um, I think there's a sort of element of truth to that, like that God distributes the gifts that, you know, like he sees the church or the body needs. And so, um, I think there's a real freedom in that, so therefore we don't need to be something we're not. Um, so in terms of like, I don't, you know, so you might crave like a particular gift, but God has not granted you that. Like I think God, I, I think there's a freedom in that because God allocates, we don't need to be, you know, envious of other people's gifts. Um, God has allocated that. I think as well though, there's nothing wrong, I think, with desiring other gifts. I think it's just a reality that you want to be at that point where you go, I'm, I also want to be dissatisfied with the gifts that God has given me, not disgruntled, envious, jealous. Um, yeah, I think that's what he's trying to say. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Does that help? Yeah. I, I, sorry, I find, I find gift envy hard to get over myself though. Yeah, yeah Ross? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the thing with the Corinthians, right? The Corinthians were all about like I've got this cool gift of tongues, and it's up the front, and it's loud and exotic and cool, maybe, or impressive. And yet Paul is saying that's not. Like that's your, you got it wrong. You're using, you're using that gift incorrectly. Yeah, so it comes back to you. Yeah, why am I desiring that gift? Is it for my own status or fulfillment or am I actually longing for that gift for the common good? Yeah, so it's good to check ourselves, right? As we desire, eagerly desire gifts. Yeah, because our hearts are pretty corrupt, right? Yeah, well and truly. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, what you, so your question is sort of like, um, yeah, how do, we, how do we joyfully accept the gifts of others in our lives? Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like generally we're, we're fairly proud people. We're fairly sort of like, you know, self-sufficient kind of people. Yeah, generally speaking, like, and, and therefore when someone sort of offers us, it's sort of if they, if they sort of see a need in us, we sort of go, oh, no, 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 I can cover that. I don't need, you know, I don't need you. Um, but I think we've, it's a realisation that we all need each other. Um, I'm, I'm the same. Like, in, on the meal thing, I often go, no, I don't need food. 
Um, to speak of like Eloise without her in the room, like, you know, we were going through some hard stuff recently. Eloise said, I'll give you a meal. My inclination is no, no, we're fine. And then when she delivered it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like, like lots of food for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it just takes an element of humility to go like, yeah, I need you. I'm not self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, lucky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If I, if I can steal, like on that point, um, I, I think it's really important that we work hard to work out what our gifts are as well. Like I think we have a responsibility to work out how God has gifted us and how we can identify our gifts and serve the body of Christ. Um, and uh, I think in part that we work out how we're gifted by God in a particular body of believers by just getting on and having a go at serving. Um, we throw ourselves wholeheartedly into the crucible of service, for example, and that might mean, you know, I'm going to go. I mean, I, sorry, I do feel a bit wrong, Mark, for having a crack at your team all morning about baristas. <laughs> Either Mark's numbers are going to plummet or they're going to go through the roof, I reckon. But you know, like you might go, actually, I feel like I want to have a crack at, at, at coffee making. And you know, you might, Mark, you know, you get your working with children check, by the way, um, and then you go and serve with Mark. And Mark just like, because Mark's so lovely, he just gently sidles up beside you and goes, you're terrible at making coffee. Maybe go and chat to Kim in City Kids. All right, you know, and so you realise that's maybe not where you're best to serve. That, I think that's how we work it out. So I don't think we're going to wait until God just drops it out of the sky. You are to be a barista. Like, I think we're to have a go, work things out. Um, and here's, here's something I prepared earlier. Um, have a look on the screen. There we go. This is how I think we, are, we would do well to work out what our particular gifts are. This is a way of kind of you know, I'm presuming some of you had a question like this, so this is why I had this. But this, how do I work out what my gifts are? I think there are three things, right? One is affinity. Um, so that is like, what resonates with me? What am I passionate about? Um, you know, for example, you walk into City Light Church North Adelaide and you go, what this church really needs is better policies, well, maybe just some policies, um, good governance. Likely you might be sort of thinking I've got the gift of administration. You might walk in here and you go I just see a whole lot of hurting people that resonates with me and, and you go maybe I've got the gift of, of counselling right um, you know or encouragement. So affinity what just resonates with you. Secondly ability like just what am I good at? You know what am I good at? You know, so if you believe you have the gift of administration, but like when it comes to running an Excel spreadsheet, you're as bad as me, then maybe you don't have the gift of administration, right? Or, um, or for example, like you may, you may have the, you know, you may think I see in this area a whole lot of hurting people. I think I've got the gift of encouragement. Um, and if you're good at that, right, I think people are gonna get better. People are gonna respond. If you've got the gift of teaching, pastoring or teaching, you think you've got that gift and you, you exercise that gift, what you're gonna see if you're good at it, I think, under God's grace and kindness and power is that people mature. People love Jesus more, okay? So affinity and ability. And then thirdly, opportunity. Like what needs are there? Now can I just say on that point, opportunity trumps affinity and ability every time, okay? Like, if there are just needs to be met in the church, you just get on and do that. Uh, my example of this is, is Jesus, right? Um, I think I said this to someone earlier in the week. Like, Jesus didn't die on a cross because he was good at it. Jesus died on a cross because we needed it. That's our motivation, right? So if there are needs in the church, and it may be that you are not like super gifted at administration, but there's just a need to do some admin and you just do it, you may not be great at it, but there's just a need to be met. Does that make sense? So I think that's one way. One way is to just get your hands dirty, get serving, try stuff out. It may not work and that's okay. But there's also this kind of process, affinity, ability, opportunity. Um, and uh, yeah, there you go. So, and also one another, right? We need one another to be speaking into each other's lives. You know, like you drink your coffee this morning and go, that was a terrible latte. Like, who was on the machine? I'm not saying we're not identifying anyone because, you know, but you know what I mean? That's a bit fatuous, but you know what I mean? Like we need one another um, 
and I think that's a, an opportunity to have a chat today even um, about what you could be serving, how you could be serving. I'm going to pray again. I'm going to ask that. Is that okay? Oh, we might end it there. We'll sing. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I think, I, I think there are particular people who are gifted as evangelists. I actually think that's possibly one of the gifts that we don't actually identify a lot anymore, actually. I think we zoom in on pastor teachers, but there's not that many gifted evangelists, at least that I know of. But I think there's a reality, right, that all of us are kind of needed in that space and all of us are called to be sharing the gospel with our friends and family. We're all called to be disciple makers, you know, that sort of stuff. So there are some people who will just have particular gifts at sharing the gospel. There'll be some people who are just particularly gifted at making disciples, maturing believers. But I think that's actually work that all of us are kind of called to take our part in, um, in one way, shape or form. I might ask Jesse and the band to come forward. I might pray one more time and then we can carry on with our gathering. Thanks for your questions. Um, I appreciate them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray. We thanks again for your word. We thank you for the way that each one of us is needed. I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning who perhaps feel like they're not needed. I do pray that, Father, when they be encouraged and strengthened this morning to see that yeah every bit matters every part matters pray for us this morning who perhaps are a little bit too overconfident and think that we're really important and others aren't so much needed i pray that you'd challenge us there but in all this remind us that um, we are to be like the lord jesus who with all his gifts served us so well Uh, father help us to be more like jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.